gentlemen welcome back to season four of the four jack podcast canada's number one award-winning golf podcast and the fastest growing golf podcast in america available on sirius xm pandora apple music spotify pick cherries and all your favorite streaming platforms four jack podcast is powered by none other than TaylorMade golf their engineers have been hard at work making the next generation of equipment and their new lineup for 2022 is absolute fire head over to TaylorMadeGolf.com and check out the all-new carbon face stealth and stealth plus and experience better energy transfer for yourself. TaylorMade has also been very generous with the 4Jack this year. We have a milestone contest happening right now. Head over to 4 Instagram page and check out all those contest details. We would also like to thank multiple 4Jack premier partners. Without their support, this show would not be possible. Therabody, Cricket Shirts, Peretti Golf, Galvin Green, and to wash that all down, our favorite ready to drink on course beverage, Birdie Juice. Season four continues to impress with a laundry list of amazing guests boasting some serious industry horsepower. But before we get into it with tonight's guest, let's head around the country and check in with the Four Jack family on the road. Derek, what's happening in SoCal? Perfect day today. We're going back to the roots. We've got a Minnesotan and two Canadians, so we've got a little hockey talk tonight. Feel like we're going to go back to where we belong. And as I always say it, we love to, to kind of see if we can stoke the fire between Toronto and Vancouver and see where people fall. I like it when we kind of gang up on the Toronto area. It makes me happy. I, li- I like when David gets a little nervous and <laughs> starts panting a little bit that we're going to talk negatively about the center of the universe. But that being said, uh, our guest is just down the road. He's also in California, just uh, down the coast a little bit. So we've been trying here. We got him. There's no pool parties tonight. There's there's no live events. There's no bands. He's actually on with us and he's hooked in. So it'll, it'll be a good one. So stay tuned. Do you- <laughs> DJB, what's going on with you? I hate to even go to you now because I feel like it's just going to be defensive mode all night. Well, as you guys know, I'm in a beautiful hotel room in Ann Arbor. Benny's got uh, drive, chip, and putt tomorrow, round two. So we're pretty pumped about that. But, uh, yeah, next guest. Uh, I know his brother a little bit from the St. Louis area, some of the work I do there. They grew up uh, in a suburb. Um a suburb of Listowel, a suburb of Kitchener-Waterloo, kind of in the sticks, but small little village, we'll call it, in uh, the center of the universe, Dryden, Ontario. But uh, excited to have our next guest on. So over and to you, Parks. I got to say, we got a little special uh, boast of confidence for Benny today. A special someone wished him uh, all the luck tomorrow. Do we want to drop a name? I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, he's got his Texas hat on, so. Go team, go. University right. of Texas alumni dropped a little love to Ben tonight as he wakes up again. So thanks, Parks. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> All right, guys. Without further ado, the 4Jack podcast is very proud to welcome former NHL superstar, golf guy, author, the pride of Dryden, Ontario, a man that never skips an opportunity to get a suntan because he stole my pool party plug. <laughs> Mr. Sean Pronger, welcome to the 4Jack podcast. Thanks for having me. Sorry about the mishap uh, last month. <laughs> yeah, what was going on, man? You, you dodged this uh, dude, desert pool party? Oh, like, you get invited to this thing. It was a, a Monday afternoon party, and I'm like, ah, oh, why not? I'll go. And then brought my, like, iPad, a full intention of, like, getting on, and then stuck in the hot tub. I couldn't get out. And, yeah, 
I, uh, my apologies. Good so, so you had the chance to go to a pool party or you could have come on with the three of us. I don't think you chose incorrectly. Quite I, I just I'm just going to be honest with that. I, I think it was that dialed in from the hot tub. Yeah, that's there awesome. you go. Yeah. Live on location in the tub. <laughs> yeah. That could have been good. As long as there was yeah. some, some scenery, it would have been uh, better. There was definitely some scenery for you guys, for sure. Nice. I like that. So you, Derek alluded to this. You're hanging out on the coast now, so you've, you've relocated out of the frozen tundra of Canada. How long have you been down in the U.S.? Uh, this stretch has been 17 years. Um, and I, I can tell you the exact moment I decided to not go back to Dryden for the summer after I was playing. It was May 15th, 2004. I woke up to snow on the ground, and I'm like, fuck that. I'm never doing that again. And, uh, yeah, then that started the process to move to California. It's hard to say no to SoCal. I mean, we've all had the experience. Obviously, this is home for Derek, but man, nothing beats being down there. The weather's fantastic. There's golf all year round. There's a couple of pool parties kicking around here and there. So fantastic yeah. spot to hang There's out. Th yeah, a lot of things to like, as Derek knows. I, I, strong, I strongly disagree. Have you guys been to Tirana? <laughs> I'm so, so, Sean, I, I did the same thing. I was, I was going back and forth between Minneapolis and the Quinta working at two great clubs and we had a couple's labor or excuse me, Memorial day shotgun and it snowed. And that was my last winter or my last winter slash summer ever in Minnesota. I've never been back. It's like F that I'm out. I know where I'm going to get and I, I can deal with the taxes. I can deal with the roads. I'm not dealing with the weather. Yeah. I hear that, man. I mean, I think especially at the winters they have up there, they're just so long and cold. And then if it gets extended to May, it's like, no fucking way i'm <laughs> doing it yeah golf, golf season sucks i mean it's 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 i'm fortunate to be on the west coast now grew up in manitoba where you got two months of summer and i mean it's a great summer but it's literally two three months and, and it's right. over so can't can't complain being on the west coast now but yeah I, I definitely i mean california is a, a great spot to be anywhere down there in the desert it's good lots of golf to be played down there anywhere specific you're uh, you're teeing it up these days well, I know you guys uh, had Casey Hoke on the podcast. He's a member at Mesa Verde Country Club. And um, I know, I don't know, eight or nine guys over there. And so they actually, people think I'm a member, but I'm not actually a member anywhere. But I am like America's guest over there. It's a little bit embarrassing. It's gotten to be probably too much. But like, I, I've been there before, or I've been there uh, and sit at the bar and just putting drinks on like rotating <laughs> my buddy's numbers. And the bartender's like, all right, no problem. And they just do it. I love it. And it's such a great club, Heidi. They do such a great job down there. So that if you're going to be somewhere, be there. They, exactly. They, even if you're not, they're going to treat you like they are. They do it right there. I am. I have committed, though, to join. I feel like I've got my uh, money's worth by not paying for anything yet. So I, I feel comfortable uh, writing a check whenever uh, one comes up. I love that. Is there a pretty big wait list for that club? Um, I, I think there is, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like every other golf club, I feel like during COVID, it just like exploded. And uh, I know they've got a lot of members over there. I mean, hopefully some of the people want to get out and let us guys get back in or get in. Get the young guns in there for sure. <laughs> right. Let's talk about Casey for a minute here. We got to thank him, obviously, on the show for our listeners who don't know and haven't listened to his episode. Casey Hope, the director for G4. Uh, great, great dude, honestly, and just salt to the earth kind of person. Really passionate dude, really smart, really humble at the same capacity. How did you get connected with him, Sean? Well, funny enough, uh, just by living down here, um, we eventually, we actually were neighbors. Like uh, our houses backed up to each other uh, between, you know, with the alley in the middle. Uh, but we knew each other before that just through, uh, I think most of these two were kids. 
are around the same age. So we played like they're doing, doing baseball and stuff like that. So just got to know him and then, you know, got super close to them just by being a neighbor. And then uh, I remember when he was getting his he first started with G4 and to watch that kind of just explode uh, like it has, it's been really fun to watch. And uh, he's very deserving. He, he like all the things you said, he's all about, he's, he's well-read, he's well-spoken. Uh, he works his tail off, loves golf, is passionate about sports. So he's uh, he's a fun guy to hang out with, a fun guy to golf with too. And he's got the he's got the direct line into the good gear. I mean, this stuff has made such a impact in the golf scene. It's not the stuffy khakis and the and the shitty collars that roll up. I mean, this is stylish stuff, and you can take it from the golf course to the pub to the beach, wherever you want. I mean, it's it's top of the line gear. No, it's great, great stuff, and it's funny to watch all the different golf courses. Just kind of like all the players. When he comes in contact with it's like just G4 was taking over. I think Bel Air is one where Mossimo was playing before, and then uh, Mesa Verde. I think even Big Canyon has it. As I'm sure like a ton of do, but uh, kind of wherever he goes, it just seems to kind of follow. <laughs> he leaves a stain on the golf course, so to speak. Yes, he does. I yes, like that. Does. Let's let's before we get into hockey with you, Sean. Let's talk about this book. Let's talk about how this evolution of being an athlete turned into being a an author. This is kind of a weird sort of. That is well, if you knew me and knew my how I did in school and what my strengths and weaknesses are, you'd be like, "What? Wait, what? You wrote a book?" But yeah, it was uh, obviously not a lot of syllables in those words. Uh, <laughs> it's not a coloring book, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a few coloring pages, uh, but it was it kind of was born out of just kind of screwing around. I mean, but uh, Chris, my brother, uh, when he got moved from Edmonton, started a uh, website, and uh, it was a way to communicate with his fans. And then he, was getting, then he was looking for content. So we got a bunch of, you know, journalists and sports writers and stuff like that to, to contribute. And then he's asked, then he asked me, he's like, hey, do you want to, you know, send some shit in? I'm like, absolutely not. I don't know. I can't write. I don't know how to do that stuff. So he kept bothering me for a couple of months. And then he wrote a, a post about training camp. And it was like, basically like, oh, can't wait to get and see the boys, you know, get, get a sweat on and go for some good dinners. And just like kind of what training camp is for superstars. Because training camp for guys like me sucks. Like you're counting your, okay, how many of these meal money did I get? You're trying to figure out like how close am I to getting cut? Do I have a jersey in my stall when I walk in the locker room? And this guy's like talking about, you know, steak dinners and playing 18 after practice. So I'm like, no, dude, this is how it really is. So I wrote a blog about that. And the response, because he had whatever turned on where people could uh, leave comments. And so no one ever hears about the grinders trying to make it. They hear about, the, just hear, hear and read about the, the superstars. So they wanted to hear more. So I just kept posting stuff about it. And it actually just kind of turned out, I was just posting stuff about my, like kind of from training camp on what it's like to be sent down on and on. And I thought, well, what my whole, uh, like my first year pro was a nightmare. Um, let me write a whole like blog and I'll chop it up and kind of just, you know, every once a week I'll post it. And then uh, Dan Murphy, have you guys met him yet? Murph. Yes. Murph, yeah. I know Murph. Right. Yeah. Have you had him on yet? No, haven't had him on yet. Played golf with him, but haven't had him on the show. Oh, yeah, got to get him on. Yeah, he was, him and I uh, co-authored it. Uh, but he ran into a book agent. And the agent's like, hey, you know, you, knowing Murph was in the hockey world, hey, um, if you know any guys with interesting stories, you know, let me know. And then Murph's like, well, talk to this guy. He's, he's been one. through it. Um, so anyway, he had a conversation. And then, I mean, that, it happened rather innocently. He's just like, all right, we'll come up with a chapter and then an outline of all the other chapters in the book, and then we'll submit it. And I wrote a chapter about my playing with Gretzky for a hot minute in uh, New York and uh, playing with him when I was hungover. I was actually on his line when I was hungover. 
in practice, but, but for a guy like me, practice is the game. So it was like, what the fuck <laughs> are you doing? Um, so anyway, we sent that out and we had offers from two publishers, which was apparently it's not that easy, but it, it fell into place rather easily. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to have a hot take right now. If it was training camp and you were playing with Wayne and you were hungover, there's a high probability Wayne might have been hungover that too. That was not training camp. That was during the oh. season. That was during the season. Okay, never mind then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season's a little different, but training camp and uh, yeah, no comment. I'm pretty sure Wayne would not allow someone like me to go on his line in training camp. Passing <laughs> <laughs> the torch, I love that. Yeah. So <laughs> we 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 start this sort of uh, innocent blog post. We get this book deal, and then is the stress on? Like, oh my God, now I have to put this package together, or or was it all kind of written out and it was all good? Oh no, I mean a lot of it. Like the the best part of it was we had a lot of material from the blog posts, but you had to like put some more meat on the bones, and that's why it was actually really kind of fun to do it with Murph, because I would, you know, every day I would do something, and I'd send it to him, and then he'd go over it, and then he'd be like, okay, this sucks, add more to this, and like you know, flush it out a bit. So it was really actually worked really well because i mean you get by yourself and you go down a rabbit hole and you may never get out of it so he he was he did an awesome job and he's heard all the bullshit stories from me anyway so he kind of wrote it himself probably <laughs> um but i want i mean it was it, it, the, the stressful part was knowing we had to deliver uh, a, a final product um but it was nice to like recap my career or just kind of go down you know memory lane from a safe place knowing that nothing bad was going to happen to me i'm not going to get cut i'm not going to get sent down i can sit in my room and just write write it out and none of the shit was in like any written like grammatically correct form it was just like randomness murph tightened it up and then the editor like okay you guys are like children let me uh let me fix this for you but it was the, the content was ours i can't see all the punctuation goes <laughs> i can only imagine it must have uh, it must have been a process for sure it sounds yeah. like it sounds like it was a good time and it's kind of your legacy now it's something you can kind of lean back on and say, Hey, you know what, this is a, you know, a peek behind the curtain in my career and in my childhood and, and all the things that I sort of challenged myself with or went through as the evolution of your career happened. So maybe let's take it all the way back to, you know, your early childhood and, and your introduction to hockey and, and growing up in a family that was pretty competitive. Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, I mean, we grew up in Dryden, Ontario. It was like 7,000 people, you know, 40 below in the winter, not a lot to do. So if you don't, like hockey or play hockey, you're going to have a long winter. Uh, fortunately, growing up, you know, obviously Chris played, but we had, you know, a bunch of buddies that all we did was play street hockey. Like we'd wait till the outdoor rink froze and then we'd go on there. But, you know, during school days or whatever, we just come out to my place after school and play hockey, like all, like all night, then all weekend. I mean, it was, and, and as we got older, it got to be less and less hockey and more and more like fighting and we'd beat the shit of each other into the snowbanks. And yeah, but it was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was, it was awesome to, to grow up doing that. Uh, and I kind of feel bad for, you know, my kids never got that opportunity, but you know, they, they get to go ride their bike to the beach now. Um, I guess it's a trade-off, yeah. but um, yeah, growing up in Dryden, I, I wouldn't change it. You know, the people are awesome and big part of, uh, you know, any success I've had. And obviously any, you know, Chris has had some unbelievable success and it was just really fun to grow up there. I mean, it's a, it's a big testament to the, I don't know, the pedigree of, talent that comes out of Canada because a lot of these kids go through that same sort of scenario where winter sucks and it's cold as balls. And the only thing you have to do is if you don't have a snow machine or an ice, ice fishing shack, I mean, you're out playing street hockey, you're out playing shinny, you're out 
you know, at the local outdoor banging it around. And a lot of these kids get good fast and, and unintentionally, but just everybody kind of develops together. Yeah. And, and you know, it's not like you got an instructor out there. There's no money changing hands. It's just kids out there playing. And, you know, like what was that outliers, the book where it's 10,000 hours. I mean, you could be like any kid across Canada, uh, you know, that grew up playing outdoor hockey. I guarantee they had 10,000 hours by the time they were 12. Yeah. It's so then Sean, you kind of, you kind of took a little different path is that you went to the CCHA. So as a Minnesotan, I held tickets to Minnesota go for hockey and go for football my whole life. And, you know, where I, when I was growing up, only Minnesotan kids played for Minnesota, right? There right. were no Canadians. There was nothing. It was Minnesota kids until we brought a kid over from North Dakota and you thought they were going to close the, the state down. <laughs> like it was just treason at the highest of levels, but not many people, especially with your talent set and from your family, talk to a little bit. Cause you know, there are a lot of people who don't quite understand college hockey. Like where I come from, it's everything. Like, you know, the North stars actually left Minneapolis because they couldn't compete with the college team. Like it was that big, but it's not, it's, it's kind of a regional sport to a lot. So how did you end up at Bowling Green? Uh, yeah. So I, growing up, one of the, you know, big influence on me was a guy named Mike Furlong. He was, he coached me at midget. He had played at North Dakota, ironically enough. And, uh, you know, I just thought that, you know, I want to get an education uh, and hockey. I can do it through hockey. I'm going to try and do that as best I can. And I played junior in Thunder Bay in the uh, USHL, which was, a, we played, you know, we played, uh, it was all, it was all us teams except for us. I mean, the closest road trip we had was eight hours to Minneapolis. That was the closest one we had. And so, it, 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 I mean, you get a lot of exposure. And, uh, I remember I took five visits and I just kind of felt re really comfortable at Bowling Green. It's a, you know, a smaller town, uh, felt like home to me. And, uh, yeah, it was, I had a great four years. I wish we would have done, played better, done better, won more, but, uh, it was a lot of fun to, to be there. And I, it was a goal of mine to, to play college hockey. Uh, we didn't have a lot of um, major junior exposure where we were. Um, and funny enough, my brother was going to, it was all set to play college hockey and then just became too good too soon. And he couldn't wait another year to graduate. And he had to, you know, jump from Stratford to uh, Peterborough, which I would, I would say worked out all right for him to, to make the jump. <laughs> That's a fair statement. <laughs> so, I, so I have a question. Was Stratford ever on the radar? Like for those that don't know, Stratford's kind of religion you know, they fill that barn with four or 5,000 people in a small little town. They're more famous probably for Justin Bieber being from there. But, you know, was Stratford ever on the agenda? Or I know Chris played, played, played there, but were you ever going to go there? Or what's, uh, well, what's I, I was in the, in the conversation. It, uh, one of uh, my coaches uh, growing up, Randy Allen, actually played in Stratford. So there was a connection. It just, uh, Thunder Bay was a better fit because it was only four hours away from Dryden. And so... I had grandparents there and it just kind of uh, was a better fit. It would have been actually more fun to be in Stratford, I think, to not have the 18 hour bus rides, but um, you build character. Yeah. On those <laughs> yeah, the shit that goes on in those buses, man. I, I, I you know what? If I told up. you guys, uh, someone would be arrested, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> kidding. Lips are sealed, right? There was some suspect shit that went down for sure. <laughs> Here are some people. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Let, let's talk about now the so we're done college we're moving into the professional game let's talk about being drafted in, in the first couple of years uh being sort of an underling in the nhl yeah uh yeah so i was drafted in 91 after my freshman year after i rattled off three whole goals in my freshman uh campaign <laughs> um, i got uh so my dad and i we had no, you know no clue we don't we don't have an agent and uh we drove the draft was in buffalo so we flew to toronto drove down 
and we have like we were we went in like fans like we didn't there was you know there was a player's entrance we had no idea where to go so we just went in the main door i had one interview the day before with the vancouver canucks so i thought all right well you know i have a chance to get drafted um and so we were up in the stands just watching the draft <laughs> and my name gets called the third round and i talked to these guys so they know i'm there and i remember steve tambellini is like looking up and i'm like in the wrong hole like i got i got to so I got to go negotiate with the security guard to get down to the floor. So I go get, go talk to everybody. And he's like, no, all the players are in this section. I go, I fucking know that, but I didn't know one tells me shit. How am I, I just, whatever, just let me fucking down there. So by the time <laughs> I got down there, I think they're, I was picked 51. I think they're in the sixties for getting their picture taken. So it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah, I was drafted and then uh, finished up four years of college. And then uh, it was the year a 94 lockout was looming. I don't know if you guys remember that, that yep. 94, 95 lockout. So that was looming for training camp. So Vancouver, um, whatever uh, uh, math formula they used, they, didn't fit, they felt they didn't have a 75% chance to make the team in the next three years, which is pretty accurate. Um, so they just said, yeah, we're, you're a free agent. I'm like, all right. So that's, I'm like, well, I won't, I'm gonna take that as a good thing. I can, now I got, you know, whatever, at the time, 28 other teams or 29 other teams. So then uh, Doug McLean was the GM for the Detroit, Detroit Red Wings. And so we taught, I had Pat Morris became my agent after I graduated. And uh, Pat's like, hey, I got, a, I got you a deal with the Detroit Red Wings. I'm like, beautiful. It's like an hour from Bowling Green. I've watched, I mean, I've watched a million games. And uh, so, yeah, they're going to give you the contract. I think they're gonna do the, we'll do the contract in the next couple of days. I'm like, awesome. And I was actually in Bowling Green for summer school. And then he calls me, he's like, I got some bad news. I'm like, what? He's like, Doug McLean just got fired. So there goes that. So fast forward to uh, August of '94, and I have no deal with anybody. I, I got offered a tryout with the Las Vegas Thunder in the IHL. Ugh. So I'm like, well, I got no choice. I'm going to go there, and you know, so I go there. I actually have a great camp, um, and then the lockout hits, and then all the guys that were on the bubble of the NHL all come down to the IHL. And I mean, who doesn't want to go to Vegas? So then all those guys come in, and so. It's now mid-September, the lockout hit, all these guys show up. There's, there is mathematically no room for me, but they don't cut me. So I like all the other camps that are going on in like other cities that I could go to, they're all it, it, like, they kept me there till October and then cut me. So wow. I couldn't go, I had nowhere to go. So I went back to Toronto uh, with my, uh, to, to hang with my girlfriend at the time to figure out what I was gonna do. And then I had two, two opportunities. One was to go to the East Coast League, which I did not wanna go to. And the other was to go to play in England with my old midget coach. I'm like, well, if I go to England now, I'm cutting off from North America. I'm not coming back. So I'm like, all right, I'll go to the East Coast League, Knoxville, Tennessee. So I, that's how I got started uh, in pro. And I was lucky enough that the general manager of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks at the time, Jack Ferrara, was in Tennessee somewhere visiting his, like, I think his niece or something like that. And there was a, a newspaper on the front step of the house and had an advertisement wrapped around it for a Knoxville Cherokees season opener. So his uh, niece is like, well, do you want to go watch the game? He's like, yeah, sure. And it happened. That was my first East Coast League game. I had two goals and two assists. And nice. so he'd like, that was the impression he got. But I always wondered, like, if you never showed up to that game, because it just went downhill from there. <laughs> I mean, who knows what happened? <laughs> Yeah. That's a pretty stellar game, though. I mean, coming out of the yeah, game, I was flying out there. I felt fantastic. Yes, uh, you and you and everyone else in the jungle definitely <laughs> thinking uh, 
they're out there flying coming from NHL training camp to the jungle. You feel like you're the best player on the, on the planet. Yeah. And then slowly everything just kind of starts to even out and then it just ends a grind again. <laughs> well, Parks, I have to uh, admit something on the air. So Brissonism just happened. Um, I got Drayton and Dryden mixed Brissonism up. Brissonism brought to you by David you. Brisson. This is what I needed. I need to actually admit to all my haters out there okay. that I stuttered my words because I was looking up Drayton versus Drayton, where these guys grew up. Kenora versus Kitchen Waterloo. So I've geographically thought that the Prongers grew up an hour from me, but actually they're about 11 and a half hours. So just correcting that before I get 100 text messages. So, <laughs> moving on. How's Dryden? Just so you don't get any Dryden. Well, see, there you go. Isn't there a Dryden, Saskatchewan, and a Drayton Valley, Alberta? Like we're 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 shuffling here with the D's. Yeah, there's a Dresden in Germany. I know that too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I love it. So we're playing down in Nashville, and we have this amazing game. We get scouted. Now our life changes, and then fast forward the next six months. I, I would like to say my life changed immediately, but it never nothing ever happens that fast. So. It was, uh, he saw me play, nothing happened because the lockout was still going on. So in December, I'm still there grinding it out. I probably have like a black eye. My nose is broken. Just, I'm living in a farmhouse 30 minutes outside of Knoxville. There's no heat, no cable. Things are going awesome. Uh, and so I get, a, I get a call from my agent. He's like, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to like spoil this or jinx it. But if, if when the lockout ends, there's an NHL team that wants to sign you. And I'm just like, well, who the fuck is it? And let's get this lockout in. And I call, I literally called Chris. I go, hey, superstar, why don't you get your shit together and like end the lockout? I'm rotting down here. Like, I need to get out of here. And so uh, it was like a month and a half later, like the lockout ended. And then sure enough, I, uh, I got the call from Pat. He's like, all right, Anaheim Ducks or Mighty Ducks. I'm like, awesome. And their farm team was in San Diego at the time. Like they, they were in, they were the IHL with the Gulls. Uh, and then I think they left and then they came back. But um, and yeah, it's, so I, it's yeah. funny, Sean, because I was in San Diego on the first day of California when all of this happened. So being the Minnesota transplant, I would go to all the goals games because it was hockey and like all the, everything you just said there. And I remember when Las Vegas and like what they did and it was like it was so bizarre for this chubby little kid from Minnesota to be in San Diego, a Jeep with no top. And I'm going to hockey games at the sports <laughs> arena. And it's like this whole process happens because I'm sorry, Chris process happens because we're doing all of these things. And it's like, you're right. The lockout and everything was going, you know, and Anaheim was the new hot thing and you were doing all this stuff. So I can relate to a lot of what you're saying because I was in California when all this was going down and the influx of players, like the hockey was really, really good. Yeah. Like it was really good that we were watching. And as you said, they were the farm team. So you got a lot of that thought process between the Kings and the Ducks and all the farm teams, right? So it just was a great memory of what you're saying about what was happening during that time in 94, 95. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, San Diego was fun. I, I think it's an amazing place to play uh, now. Like I went down there a couple of years ago, they did a 25th anniversary for the Mighty Ducks movie and uh, brought a couple of players down to drop the puck for the Gulls game. It was 12,000 people. I mean, it was $2 Bud Light night, which is, they should have that every night, but it was fucking jammed. It was great. Yeah. But uh, if you were at the game, Derek, you'd have to be sitting high in the stands to watch me because I was in the stands watching the most of the game. <laughs> I noticed the triple zeros across the stat line, but yeah, that, yeah, was, that was not what I was going to bring up whatsoever. <laughs> I've submitted, uh, I think, 
uh, practice stats should count in there. That's what I think. Um, but no one listens to me. <laughs> oh, that's too good. How was your brother through all this? Was he pretty supportive or was he just bagging on you? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he, he fucking minor leaguer. No, you know, he was good. He was, he was good. I mean, he tried not to tell me how awesome it was just so he didn't want to like rub my nose in it. It's like, yeah, it's all right. And then, you know, you get there and you get a taste of it. It's like, holy shit, this is awesome. You know, I remember when I, yeah, because I went, it was like one, so the, just to kind of button up my shitty first year pro. So I got, okay, I signed an initial contract. Life's awesome. Going to San Diego. Awesome. Don't play at all. Um, all right. Now what do I do? And so my agent's like, okay, well, you, you need to play. You're 21 years old. You got to play. So let's go back to the coast and play. I'm like, all right, fine. I was having a great season. I was going to be in the all-star game in the East coast league. I'm like, awesome. Let's I'll go back to Knox. It'll be great. He's like, yeah, no, you're going to Greensboro because they're affiliated with Anaheim. Um, so you're not, so I had to go to my, another new team. So it was like, that was Vegas, Knoxville, San Diego, Greensboro, four teams in one year. I was there my second game there, took a slap shot in the face, broke my jaw, season over. And just to put the cherry on top of such a fantastic rookie year, my at a Jeep Grand Cherokee white with Vanity Ontario plates. Not proud of it, not proud of it. Um, and so I had all basically all the shit that I, I mean, golf clubs, hockey gear, and like clothing is in the back of my Cherokee. That's parked at the Connell Lodge across from the sports center in San Diego, which is where they have me staying. So it's there ready to be picked up to be shipped to Greensboro. I get my jaw broke. Truck doesn't show up for like a week and a half. I'm like, so I got to call the shipping, the trucking company with the broken jaw from a payphone in a bar, like asking where my truck is only to find out that they never picked it up because it wasn't there. And I find out later it was stolen and somebody, it was, I think it was a hot car back in the day. Uh, and it ended up in Mexico, like in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> I would love to oh, see God. that, that border crossing in the white Grand Cherokee with Ontario plates as they go into Mexico. So yeah. <laughs> Something doesn't look right here. Uh, right. Juan, right. Are you what? sure you're from Canada, Juan? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how many chapters of the book are just 94 and 95. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> like, that's a, that is one hell of a calendar year. Yeah, that's a good, that's yeah. a good year. Yeah, this young man is a very trying rookie season. <laughs> so things yeah. settled down eventually for you. I mean, you found your feet somewhat throughout the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I'm glad I didn't... I mean, I should have quit really after that year. I just uh, hung him up. I remember sitting down at the kitchen table with my dad as he was trying to help me not commit uh, insurance fraud for claiming different stuff that were, was in my vehicle. But, yeah. um, and he was like, do you want to, do you want to like, he's literally going, do you want to keep going? You're like, are you going to keep going with this shit? And uh, I'm like, I gotta do, I gotta give it one more chance. I got like, I mean, this, that was a tough one. And, uh, yeah, started the season, they moved the team from San Diego to Baltimore. Um, and so went there, had a rocky start, but then kind of found my groove and I got called up in, uh, late November. So it was probably less than, uh, six months or eight months from the time I played in the East coast league to the time I played my first NHL game. And I, I, I got called up and it was like, a, and it was like, you, you read about like, who, who is this? Quit fucking with me. And there was, it was Walt Kyle telling me I got called up. <laughs> I, I didn't do much thinking about packing. I just like, I'm so excited. I'm like, I just got to get to the airport. Don't miss the flight and just get there. So I could play my one game and then, you know, right off in the sunset and having played one game, parked my car in short-term parking uh, didn't have a fucking suit, show up in a track suit. Like I, I had a green blazer, like who the fuck wears a green blazer? <laughs> I, had khakis, champion. I, had, I had khakis and a green blazer. I remember Joe Sacco. So we played the one game and I, 
survived it. So I could, all I want to do is get to the next game, which was in Detroit. And if I play well in Detroit, which was a Friday, I got to go to play Hockey Night in Canada, the center of the universe uh, against the Maple Leafs. And that's all I, I'm like, all right, my long-term goals are to play three games. That's my long-term goal. So we uh, play the game uh, Wednesday in Anaheim, get on the uh, plane Thursday, and I walk, walk on the play with my outfit. And Joe Sacco looks, looks me up and I was like, this is the fucking NHL kid. What are you doing? And so I was just like, dude, I came from the minors. I don't, know what I don't even have a fucking suit. <laughs> Here, put oh this my on. God. Let me let me get some out of my bag for you. Yeah, really. Let me help you out here, kid. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. So you got to play uh, in Toronto against the played in Toronto. Then uh, went with them. Uh, we went to Florida, and then I played in uh, Madison Square Garden, like all in one road trip. I played seven games. It was yeah, it was awesome. Um, and then you know you get then you get sent back, and then it's like, well, I want that again. I want to get back there. Like it's not like you're oh I'm done. It's like I need to get back there. So then you kind of. It, it's going to get a taste, I think. And then the, I think that's, um, I think good for everybody that no matter where they're at, to give, give them a taste of like, okay, either you've earned it, like you've gotten your face punched in for years, or you get a young kid, give them a, here's what, here's what it is, here's what you're working for, and then send it back to the minor. But just to give everybody a taste, is like, okay, this is what I'm working for. It's cheeseburgers and caviar, right, Derek? That's exactly right. Either yeah. or. Everybody has different tastes. They say caviar is great. I just don't like it. <laughs> What's, what's that progression like, Sean, as you're kind of bouncing around a bit of a suitcase throughout the years? Is it pretty easy to adjust when you get in with a new team? Is it finding your feet? Is it tough? Kind of click. Yeah, you know, guys, and then, you know, guys. That, yeah, it helps um, like later in life with meeting people and stuff. But, um, you know, the first couple of times it's, it's hard. And, you know, you kind of see people like if they start trying too hard to fit in. So you just kind of like take it slow. And these guys, like you just, I mean, you're hockey guys, so you connect anyway. So you just try to, I, don't know, I try to come on too strong. I just kind of like blend in and then, you know, hopefully you're there long enough to get to know people. <laughs> and you can, yeah. you know, kind of, uh, you know, give a little bit more of yourself. But it was always kind of like, um, you kind of ease into it, not just kind of like kick the door down and like, here I am. Yeah, don't be the super douche rolling into the dressing room. Exactly. Just kind of take it slow. Don't be the rookie rolling in in a fucking Lambo. Yeah, in a green, green blazer and khakis. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, boys? Yeah, <laughs> love that. How don't much- be crisp, don't be Chris Pronger, is what you're yeah, saying. Exactly. Don't be Chris Pronger. There you go. <laughs> How much of this time did you spend playing golf? You said you had your stick stolen out of the Econo Lodge parking yeah, lot. So I used to be, I mean, if you saw me golf now, you'd like close your eyes and it's a horror show. But I used to be good when I was younger, you know, you summer's off, so you, you played like all summer. So Chris and I would play all summer. Uh, and I think I got down to like a six. I, I played in like the all Ontario under 16 tournament. Nice. Uh, speaking of four Jack, four Jack, a couple of greens are in the tournament and, uh, <laughs> there you then go. came back to shoot the low round of the day, the, the, that, that day I four Jack, two greens in the second round. And then I ended up shooting 76 that round. I was so fucking mad. Like I line drive balls in for birdie. It was awful, but, um, yeah, no, I played a lot, but then, you know, life gets in the way, sadly, and, you know, get married have kids and it's just tough to get out um but i'm now my kids are going to college so i'm gonna reintroduce myself to the game and committing and getting a coach and or whatever get lessons and yeah just get, just get better i just want to get better that's awesome man I, I mean congratulations on raising kids and sending them off to college that's pretty cool and now you, you kind of got some free time back to play some golf let's talk about where you grew up playing and maybe somebody that was instrumental in, in your introduction to the game yeah so grew up driving uh, golf and curling club Uh, only the uh northern like canadian and northern states can appreciate um 
Yeah, just, well, Chris and I, and then uh, we had a couple of people, like Brian Burns was a, a guy, he, um, he's actually a little bit older than me, but he played against Mike Weir in the same tournament I was playing the under 16. He was playing, uh, have you had Mike Weir on here? Because he, he is not going to like this next statement. Not yet. We're okay, well, on. maybe don't let him watch this one. <laughs> so my buddy Burnsy is playing uh, the under 18 and he's playing with Mike Weir. Mike Weir hits one in the bush and he goes to get it. And he has, you know, everybody's got an extra ball in her pocket. He comes, he, got, he found it, came out, no ball in his pocket. So Burnsy, for, to this day, calls him a cheater. So he wins the Masters. And so I call Burns. I'm like, dude, the pay, sometimes it pays to cheat a little, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> you're not cheating. You're only cheating yourself, man. I mean, you got hey, to cheat you're not cheating, a little That's right. I don't. I don't think he would have got away with it at uh, at Augusta. They got uh, they got <laughs> no. snipers in the trees, man. You make a wrong move. Oh, yeah. You're, yeah. You're no, but yeah, Brian Burns would be like you know we we had a group of guys that played at, like uh, or young kids that played. I'd say my dad just would let me play in like Men's Twilight. You know, the, the was every Thursday, and usually it's got to be you know eighteen to be in tune off with the men. But like I'd be I think I was like thirteen or fourteen, and I'd go with him and his buddies and listen to all their bullshit. And yeah, it was, it was actually awesome to to just be a part of it and like you're, you're kind of part of the club. And then you, uh, you go for beers after. I think they, I think they got me beers too. Yeah, that's cool. fantastic. I mean, the golf and curling club is like a staple of uh, your Canadian uh, adolescence. I love that. Oh yeah, not a lot of people yeah. can appreciate that, but they're no, no, or <laughs> or a good bond spiel. Like that's what I need to go to one of those. Uh, turns into turns into cart and club storage in the summertime down, yeah. down the lanes, and then it's uh, yeah, it's full on full on curling in the wintertime. It's so much fun. So now we're, we're later in life. We've got some time. We're going to try and reinvest ourselves into the game of golf. You're going to spend some time down, uh, obviously, home for you, but Newport area, playing some golf with Casey and those guys. What, yeah. what are you looking forward to now, sort of being out of the game? Is there something on the horizon that you want to allude to, maybe another book in the works? or? Well, you know, it's funny. That might be a great time to let you guys know. Uh, my brother and I are – we got approached by um, – I don't, I'm not even sure I can say it. My distillery, and we're coming out with our own whiskey. Wow. Um, yeah. Cool. It's called The Journey, funny enough. Journey. Um, yeah, so The Journey Whiskey, I think it's coming out in the fall. Um, yeah, so I'll send you guys a, a bottle or two. Yeah. Yeah. Sampler. We'll have to, you'll have to bring some out to Rolling Hills. We'll get you out on the golf course. And there we go. Sample some whiskey. Yeah. Shoot some, uh, shoot some content. Is that the course you're at, Rolling Hills Country Club? Yeah. yeah there's there's yeah. golf there. That's awesome. I played there a couple times. Do you know Evan Hunter? He's a member there. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah he's a client. Yeah. So no, we're, we're lucky. And so we've got, obviously, as we talked earlier, we, we've got a lot of the Kings and it's been, a, it's been a great kind of, and, and it's funny because as we record podcasts that come out, we, we had a guest on a while ago in David Kidd, who's the architect of the club and kind of talking about the culture and the vibe of it all and what's happening in Los Angeles. So it's been a lot of fun you know, and that's kind of one of the things that, that we were talking about earlier. It's like when you're in this side of the world and you're in, especially coastal California, it's a very small community in millions and millions of people, right? So much like you just said, whether it's Mr. Hunter or, you know, Casey, and it's like, we just continue to kind of go up and down on this trend of people. And it's funny as we do this podcast and who we're exposed to and, and what we're doing and how we're going about it. It's like, there's always these little connections. So anything that we can do to promote and, and take care of the guests that come on, that's, that's an absolute no brainer home run. Awesome. Awesome. There's a synergy here. Derek is always complaining. Well, not complaining. And maybe I shouldn't even say this out loud, but something with hockey players and playing golf at a club and not paying or not wanting to join Derek. That is a real thing. It, like I real. said, 
that and, and again the problem is i don't say hockey i say canadian uh, i think it's a canadian thing it's not a <laughs> hockey thing because if there's a way to get around or circumvent costing or paying it's amazing how adept canadians are at doing that so i am a hundred percent not saying hockey i'm telling you it's a canadian I wish I could argue, but you're right. I, I think back when I was playing in at the Dryden Golf and Curling Club, I just wouldn't pay. I would just walk <laughs> off the tee and just go, and I'd be like, did you pay? I go, yeah. You were uh, on break, just whatever, yeah. Of course. Like, of it, was 600 bucks for the, it was six, 600 bucks for the summer. I'm like, yeah, I'm not paying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember because what, what Parks of you know, when I was in the desert after everything happened and the recession hit in 08 and all this stuff, suddenly there were just handfuls of canadians with millions of dollars in cash oh, yeah. still had pocket lint on it just buying up homes and saving the desert because they've been waiting for the prices to fall and yeah. they literally propped up the economy in the palm springs laquins area for about two and a half years so i'm on all fronts but i'll tell you what if you ever just need to find somebody that's got a coffee can somewhere in their lawn full <laughs> of tens and 20s i promise you they're probably somewhere near regina or something up there they just got to remember they just got to get the permafrost out to dig it up that's too funny uh, totally I can, I can say i i have uh elderly family members that do that shit exactly it's not coffee cans in the ground though it's typically coffee cans in a garage or the shed and there's cash in there and you're like what the why are they fucking putting and remember there? anybody listening to this podcast all complaints go to david brisson in the center <laughs> of the universe so just make sure we plug where you're gonna send everything yeah, there you go yeah it's uh my email address is cparkinson at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Appreciate that. All right, boys and girls, we're at that magic time of the show where we're going to transition here to something fun we like to call the Rapid Fire 10. Sean, this is the closing segment of the show. This is 10 skill testing questions surrounding Canadian politics and geography. Awesome. So when you're ready. This where you just embarrass the guests? Is this how this works? Yeah. We're going to start the <laughs> clock. Yeah, no, we're not going to embarrass you at all. This is pretty easy. We're going to, this is more so fun. We're just going to get to know you. I'm going to do nine questions. I'm going to throw it over to Derek to close it out with number 10. And then you're off the hook. So when you're ready. Bring it. Let's do it. Question number one. This is probably the hardest question of the show. What does an athlete have for breakfast? What did you have for breakfast today, Sean? A cup of nails. No. Uh... <laughs> Razor uh, protein apples. bar. Protein bar. I'm intermittent fasting. Uh, just a protein bar. Oh yeah, you look like you're healthy. What's the what's uh, yeah, the story no, behind I'm, the I'm fasting? Trying. I mean, I'm quite, you know, I'm rotting on the inside. Yeah, there you go. As we all are. <laughs> Good thing you're coming out with a whiskey, Brian. That'll really help the cause. Right. That'll help my drinking problem. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, then you have an excuse because uh, I got to test the problem. Right. I'm working. <laughs> right. More more pool parties in the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully, we get an invite to one of those. <laughs> Question number two, what's in the bag right now? What are you swinging for wrenches, Sean? Top to bottom. I, well, I have Cobra. So Casey used to work for Cobra Puma, and he got hooked me up, so I have those. And I just went and got fitted. I think I'm going to get uh, TaylorMade, I believe. Wait, yeah, is, buddy. That, is that the sponsor, you guys? Yep. <laughs> I did my homework. <laughs> mom's a word. Mom's a word. <laughs> Love it. We can do we can do some uh we can do some trading maybe we'll uh okay. we'll set up with some tailor mates we won't trade for anything but we'll throw some gear to you for sure that's really easy uh wedges putter anything special in the bag for a wand uh no I have a ping I think it's a ping zing putter I think. okay awesome yeah no, I mean my wedge game needs to get better before I even like go down that road <laughs> like that. while you're talking to the right guys we'll definitely well I mean Casey all these guys have to connect yeah. so you're in good hands 
Question number three, and this is probably another easy question for you, but are you an outfit guy? Do you get dressed in the dark? You're looking for something shiny, white belt, white shoes, sombrero? So, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, after hanging out with Casey, we I think we golfed together in some, like, fun, like, par three neighborhood thing, and I made a 15-footer to win the tournament. And he's like, dude, you got to step up your game. Like, you look like a fool in your outfit. So he has helped rebuild my uh portfolio of golf gear uh so now i look way too good for my golf swing it used to be the other way around <laughs> you have to upgrade clubs yeah like you should see casey that guy is styling and profiling out there yeah he's a stud man like yeah. i think he put on cologne when he did the podcast with us that's how like on point and, and you know what plus he's just like a human hanger right everything looks good on him like everything, it doesn't matter what, if it's ironed or if it's not, it doesn't matter if it, what material is like, he just has the gift. He literally hands me down stuff. Like I get, we're the same size. He like, so, Hey, I'm done with this. I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Take one of those. He's like SoCal boy band figure. He's just a good yeah, looking dude. No, he's, he is. He's pretty. What's the uh, question number four. What's the warm up routine look like for somebody that came out of professional sports going to the golf course? Is there anything specific you do? Stretching, calisthenics, well, yoga? Yoga, I would say that yoga. If I yeah. if I can go before, uh, yeah, because my back's kind of fucked up. So if I can do yoga, and then I like to have two to three shotgun beers, and then get ready to go. Yeah, I like that. This is the prime time to insert a plug for one of our sponsors, Therabody. Have you heard okay. of Theragun products before? We're gonna get you set yeah. up after the show with one for sure. But I, awesome. I'm gonna plug. Uh... Birdie Juice also, which is a pure sponsor. So Shotgun is Birdie Juices. And uh, I'd also like to say Casey is the West Coast version of Paul Logan. Moving on. Oh, wow. Very fair. That's another friend of our show. They have competing uh, boyish good look championships. (laughs) Great great gambler, I hear. Lots of smack talk. Uh, Question number five. Sean, are you a music on the course kind of guy? Anything specific you like to listen to? Please don't. No, I like, I don't like, I love music on the course. I don't like to be in charge of it. So, like, anything's fine. Uh, I can't believe I spent my whole, like, youth playing golf without music. Um, Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I never, no one, I don't, no no one grew up playing music. I don't think this is kind of like in the last decade, I feel like. I don't know if we would have been allowed on the golf course if you were playing music back then. Yeah. I don't think so. No. It's funny. I've got buddies that, you know, they each want their own music and they, it's, gets frustrating at competing carts or and different music. Yeah. You pull up to the tee box and you just have an yeah, just noise. Yeah. <laughs> Question number six, we're heading to the turn. What are we fueling up on? Are we a hot dog guy? Are we a six pack and a pack of cigarettes? What's our go-to fuel up? Powder donuts. Uh, no, I, so depending, I, whoever I'm golfing with, if it's their course, I'll ask what they're like, like at base of they have unbelievable hot dogs. So I, I'm not afraid to get a dog, but normally it's like a bar and a, a couple of beers probably. <laughs> yeah, something easy, not messy. Don't want to be yeah. wearing it. Right. Like Question number seven, favorite golf course memory? Something maybe you've celebrated, something in the memory banks that really resonated. You beat up on the old man or you sunk a Yeah, I think my favorite round of golf, my favorite golf memory was I, uh, the Dryden Men's Open, which is no longer in existence, but the, the local tournament. Um, I shot the front, so it was a week before my wedding. So all the boys were in town. And so like, it was like a kind of a tradition we'd always play, um, in this tournament. So I had a buddy that was caddying for me and the rule was for every birdie I got, he had a shotgun one and for every double bogey I got, I'll shotgun one. In the first nine holes, I had five birdies. He was (laughs) fucked. (laughs) So I shot 32 
I shot 32, uh, then 41 or something like that. So I was like 73. So I was like in the, like, I think it was in the second last group. And then I, you know, got shit faced that night and fell apart the next day. But <laughs> those nine holes were magical. <laughs> you thought you were doing it on purpose too. He's just like, I hate this guy. I'm right, right. Guy. I think I chipped in three times. Oh, I love it. That's so good. Just turn and point to him, get a beer yeah. out. <laughs> question number eight. We always like to ask our guests the cliche question. If you could play golf as a five-some, what's your dream five ball? Anybody dead or alive, friends, exes, whatever you want to do. Oh, that's good. I think I'd want, actually, to be honest, this is going to sound cheesy. Uh, me, my brother, my dad, and my uncle, who I'd never met, he passed when I was one. And then uh, probably one of those, like, like Jack Nicholas or, like, 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 I mean, Tiger Woods would be cool, too. Um, can I get six of them in there? Sure, yeah, sure. We'll call it Tiger and Jack, then. But then have them come. That'd be no, 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 99 with that group. Uh, uh, no, I already played on his line. I don't think he'll want to golf with me. <laughs> All right. Maybe he's going to caddy for you and shotgun beers. I don't think Gretzky can help my golf game. Put it that way. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Question number nine for me is my last one. I'll hand it over to Derek. But question number nine what has fueled the journey for you now, later in life? What, what keeps you going? Is it the kids? Is it the opportunity to continue to do things for your legacy? What's yeah, I just, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I think I just like, I like doing shit. Like I like, I like experiences, you know, half the, half the time they're, you know, a struggle, but they're a good story. So I like doing shit to be able to tell stories like at the bar, or like, you know, on trips and I, you know, I love the travel, uh, looking forward to get like getting back into golf. Uh, and then want to start, you know, playing more poker. My uh, dad played in the world series, uh, senior world series this past like last month. Wow. I did well. And my mom pointed out that I'll be turning 50 uh, at the end of November and I can do, I can play the seniors as well. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Tension swimmers. <laughs> yeah. There's a shark in the water. I like that. Yeah. 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 He, uh, he plays 12 hours a day. It's oh, relentless. Geez. That's a career. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Derek, last question for you to wrap this puppy up. Well, thanks again for coming on Sean. And, and we're the same age. I turned 50 here uh, a week from today. And so it'll be a lot of fun. And when this airs, we'll, we'll hopefully uh, we're going to do some things, uh, a couple of different trips. But one of the things that kind of resonates with me is, is limitations. And I've always known because in my household, my brother was a far better player, always was. He was two years younger than I was. And it didn't matter what I did or how hard I played. He was a better player than I was. And I kind of always embrace that. You know, I, I have a lot of the same similarities. And one of the things I've really enjoyed tonight is the self-deprecating humor. I love the communication aspect when somebody like, you has the access or the the love of a brother who's just one of the best that's ever done it and it's a it's a really interesting perspective when you think about being really good at something right having goals having records being in face-offs and, and playing with all of these great hockey players but there's always something as you said experiences drive you meaning you had to do a lot to get out of your body what you possessed as a talent so from my end what i really want to know is 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 that conscious? Are you cognizant of that thought process of like, hey, I might have to go down a different path to get to something like, tell us a little bit about what it's like to be the brother of Chris and what it's like to have your own path and your own journey to, to talk about the book. And I love the self-deprecating humor. I love the use of swear words. I, I mean, there's so many similarities in the way you talk. I feel very kind of a kindred thing there because I know in your heart, you know, when you're not the best in your house, it's hard to be anything else other than full of shit because that's just the way you have to live your life. Cause you're never going to be the best at something you're really good at. You're just still always going to be second. And 
I learned early not to fight that. Like, I love it. I play golf with my brother all the time and it doesn't matter and it's always competitive, but I just know he's better. Do you have that same thought process? Like you wanted your own skill set and your own experiences to be yours. And it's like with the book and telling us about the Jeep and all of these things, like that's a far different path than where Chris is going. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and I think I might've mentioned it in the book. If like, if Chris, if Chris was just a little bit better than me, it would have probably drove me insane. Like I would have been like, fuck this guy, but he was so good. It's just like, you know, like he's one of the greatest defensemen of all time. Like, how do you, how do you get like jealous of that? It was just, it was actually really fun to be a part of it, to be behind the curtains and see the shit that goes on back there to get to where he ended up getting going to. And then to kind of just be able to enjoy the ride with him. You know, you kind of get like me and my buddies, like we were on the inside of all the shit that went on behind the scenes, like all the stuff, like, He's, you know, he called up an owner and yelled at him. Like, he, the, the shit that went on is amazing. Um, but to just watch him and, like, how to watch, you know, his first two years in Hartford were a bit of a challenge for him. And then he got traded to St. Louis, and that was a nightmare for him. Uh, Keenan, like, rode him like a donkey. And then it clicked finally. And then from that, like, it was literally the 1996 playoffs. From that point until he retired, he was, like, the, the dominant player in the game. Um, and to be able to just be a part of it and watch it, it was, it, it was fun. And uh, yeah, like, I never want to like ride his coattails in, in the, the fact like, Hey, can you get, can you get me a, a job there, a job here? Like I never asked him for like, Hey, can you tr- get me traded? So, like, I never asked him for that. I like doing all the shit that he has access to. Like if I can get on the fucking private jet, yes, I will go like all that's all the, all the benefits and sure. benefits. I want to be a part of all of it. But like I, play, like play, go to the, Go to the comfort stations at Driftwood. That kind exactly. of fun. Exactly. Well, I, and the only thing I did ask is for him to build me a room above the pool house. Yeah, Driftwood. Um, but yeah, so like I, I, I've always wanted to like, like carve my own way because you know I never want to have like be reliant on someone to like for your life. But if you can, you know, <laughs> it can be enhanced by the shit that yeah, you can enjoy do. Enjoy the spoils. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. And I think <laughs> the narrative from that also comes out in in the way you speak, right? The way you write. Like that, that humor and that, those, those little quips and those little, as you call them bullet points, and then the editor kind of stretched them out. But I think that there's something to be said for that. And I think that's why golf is such an attractive sport is because at this point, it's still just you versus the game. Right. And I, I, I get a lot when you talk. And, and when I read the book, it, it, it really does come out in this kind of, I don't want to say humorous way, but I want to say there's always a very poignant point and you just make it funny. And I think that that has to do with probably the way you've lived your life and your experiences, as you said, nothing is going to go un, unmarked or nothing's going to go unchecked. You're going to probably check every box and you're going to find out if it's you. And if you're not, you're going to just tell a great story about it. And I, I think that that resonates a lot with what we do with our listeners because we don't want to take ourselves too seriously either. And, and, and I, I applaud you for the way you wrote. And it's funny, like one of the things I always do when, when I read a lot of books is I go to the Amazon ratings right? Like one guy gave you a three-star because he said you were too folksy and you wrote too plain. And I'm like, did you read the same book I read? Because it's the whole fucking point. Like literally (laughs) the whole point, the way you wrote it. And this guy's trying to be like an English teacher. And it's like, I just think there's so many different things about the way that that works that I just, I wanted to say that from my end, that I, I love the similarities of big brother rooting on young brother being part of it but more importantly taking your own shots at life and having zero apologies for it right right well thank you i appreciate you reading it and i appreciate that and uh to that guy that wrote that it's like some people get the joke and some people don't you know what i mean like yeah i went about man i saw i saw a half star actually it was uh 
very negative. It was from some guy named CP. Um, <laughs> CP STL. I don't know who that was. CP44. Yeah, CP44 from St. Louis said uh, he wasn't a big fan of the book. So. You know what's funny? My, my mom and my brother both called me after they finished reading it and were like, we're so sorry. We had no idea you went through all this. <laughs> right? That's awesome. Oh my god! Awesome. It's therapy in, in some sense it of the was. form, right? No, no, it was 100% therapeutic, 100%. Very cool, man. Well, you got 100 grand of well-inspired travel credits now, so you're good, yeah, Sean. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> have, you, have you guys had him on yet? Should we get him on? Uh, we do uh, get him with the whiskey? Oh, yeah, yeah, we definitely need Absolutely. him on. 100%, man. Let's do it. Let's Perfect. get him on. You guys got a big Edmonton following because they'd love to love to hear my. Oh, Alberta loves us. Oh, man. Literally, Alberta if you, if you want to go to one city, you just roll up to Edmonton <laughs> and you up. just ask them about the three of us, and you might get punched. Even uh, you. Up, we might be on the same on. level as Chris <laughs> as it relates to Edmonton. Yeah, I've been in Edmonton for a long time. Long time Edmonton Oilers fan, man. I'm I'm proud to say that. So, uh, I got to ask though before we let you off the hook here, who's a better golfer? Is it Chris or is it Sean? Uh, uh, we teed it up today. Chris is a better golfer. Uh, once oh. I get my shit together, though, Game I over. will take him on. Maybe well, take a couple years. So, hey, that's Sean. You just roll up to Rolling Hills. We'll let you practice for a little bit. We've got six acres. We'll take care of you a little bit. We'll get you ready to go, and then have him send the jet and just put the jet fuel on him, and then just go kick his ass. We'll make sure that happens. Yeah, yeah awesome. we got you. Well, yeah, uh, Derek, send me your number uh, for uh, email because I'll yeah. pull it. Park, Parksy's got everything. He'll shoot. I'll, I'll connect and everything. And okay. We'll, awesome. Definitely, we'll get you lined up with TaylorMade and uh, get you that Therabody recovery stuff. So you'll be in good, good, good shape, good hands moving forward to, to take down anybody. Awesome, Sean. Thank it's you. been such a pleasure, man. Absolutely uh, grateful for sharing some time with us, sharing some stories. It's been fun. You're a cool guy to talk to, and love to get on the golf course with you in the future for sure. Yeah, let's do it. All right, thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. All right, love man. the show. Okay, we'll thanks, talk to you. Take care. See ya.